Hey everyone, this is David from Wisconsin. I'm Jack's podcast producer. I just wanted to remind you real quick that Jack has a podcast hotline. You can leave him a voicemail at 920-415-4525. All you got to do is leave your name, where you're from, roughly, and then your question or comment, whatever. Jack really does want to hear from you. Again, that number is 920-415-4525. You can also text your questions to that number or email jack at jack.hager at gmail.com. All of those contacts will be in the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Hi, this is Jack Hager. So good to be with you. I do have some exciting news. Well, it's exciting to me anyway. Instead of me just blabbing about something, you're about to hear a sermon that I had the privilege of preaching uh, last month in San Antonio, Texas. But a little background. I met Keith Manry when he was about 11 years old. I met him at a quiz tournament in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was putting together trophies, and he came up to me, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm putting together trophies. And he said, I'm going to get one of those one day. And sure enough, he did. A few years later, he was the number one quizzer in the nation. He participated in our top teams. He ended up joining our staff for a while, went to Bible college, became a pastor, got involved with the Air National Guard. And after a while, the Lord led him to go full-time in the military, in the Air Force, and he now serves as a chaplain, a major in the Air Force as a chaplain. A few years ago, he was stationed in Minot, North Dakota, where all the missile silos are, and he brought me up there for a week of doing meetings, visiting various airmen, preaching at a couple chapels, doing some other things. From there, he was transferred to Guam. He said he'd get me to Guam, and I said, yeah, right, but thanks, American taxpayer. I got to fly to Guam and minister there for a week, and now he's at Lackland Air Force Base, which is, among other things, where the basic training is for all Air Force personnel. He brought me down there Veterans Day weekend, and that was a tremendous, tremendous privilege. I enjoy being on a military base because of my own military background. I enjoy being around men and women who are committed to their nation. And I was given the opportunity to do four chapels back-to-back for the 3,500 or so men and women going through what the Air Force calls basic military training. The chapel itself seats a 1,000, but because of COVID, there were only 500 in each attendance, and then they watched at another location. It was an amazing thing. It's sort of like prison. People come to chapel in prison just to get out of their cells. Uh, I think people come to chapel in the military sometimes to worship God, sometimes because they're curious, and oftentimes just it's a way out of the barracks. Do I want to sit in the barracks and get yelled at by the drill instructor, or do I want to go hide in chapel for an hour? One thing I would like to point out, there you have a volunteer band, five or six musicians that come in every Sunday and do all four worship services free for nothing. It's just because of their love for the Lord and love for airmen. Anyway, I had the opportunity to share this sermon, and Keith asked me to share my testimony, my Jesus story, and I was able to do that, and here it is. You may be seated. Go ahead. So how many of you, by a show of hands, have a a man or a woman who was a significant mentor to you? How many of you, by a show of hands, would say, without that person, you wouldn't be here today? So uh, I have the privilege to introduce to you one such person in my life. I was probably 12 years old when I met him. 
Um, I was involved in an organization, it was called Family Life Ministries, and I had just gotten into a program called Bible Quizzing. Now, before you accuse me of being a nerd, um, I am a nerd, so it's, it's okay. Um, but I, I, I got involved in it, and I, was, I, I actually was pretty good. I will I'll say that. I, I love to memorize um, scripture, and I'm also extremely competitive. And so the two combined just made for a great thing. But I was 12 years old, and I met this guy. Um, and uh, over the next um, five to six years, seven years as a, as a teenager, um, he was a, had a huge impact on me. He was a person I could go talk to, I could confide in as a young person, some of the things I was struggling with growing up. And as I went off to college and got married and had kids and um, grew in, in my calling and ministry and the different places in life, we've remained in touch. Um, and over the years, he became not just a mentor, but became a dear friend. So now, 30, cheapers, 33 years, I think it's been, since I've met him, which gives you gives away a little bit of my age as well as his age. Um, uh, we still are close friends, and I've had a chance every assignment I've been at, except for Arlington National Cemetery, um, I've been able to bring him and allow him to uh, be a part of my ministry and to share. And um, I'm just really excited to, to introduce him to you this morning. Um, uh, God has uh, saved him, saved us all in miraculous ways, but as he shares some of what... Um, uh, he went through, um, it, it's just remarkable um, to, hear, to see God's faithfulness uh, and redemption in his life and how God has chosen to use him. So, so without further ado, would you help me welcome my friend, my mentor, uh, Jack Hager. God is good. And all the time. I know this is a stretch. But have any of you ever seen the movie, That Thing You Do? Yeah, okay. See, watch it sometime. I think Tom Hanks, that was his life story. He really wanted to live that life. Instead, he became an actor. Anyway, it's my one hit wonders, these, this band that also gets real popular. And at one point, they're getting ready to go on TV. And I think it's the bass guitarist turns to the lead guy and says, what are we doing here? And that's what I feel. What am I doing here? It is a privilege and an honor to be with you. I thank you for serving our country. I thank you for the sacrifice of time and uh, a sacrifice of time even to be here. And I understand there's all kinds of different people here. There are people here who are Christians or are Christ followers and they know it. There are people here who aren't sure. And there may be people here who uh, are here just to get out of the cell. Oh, wait a minute, I do prison ministry too. Are, are here just to get out of the barracks, I get that. For whatever reason you're here, consider the possibility that we are here together on God's time. That God may have an appointment. Not that I have anything profound to say that anybody else couldn't say, but maybe, maybe, maybe on this particular November day, God is going to minister grace to you wherever you are in the spectrum. Because I'm kind of selfish. Every time I preach, there's two things that happen. I've been doing this for 40 some years. The great mystery of life is what such a young guy like me is doing in such an old body. I pray like crazy because I know it's without God, I can't do anything worthwhile. And I pray that God would help me, 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as during the brief three hours I have to share with you this morning, I am going to share my testimony, okay? my Jesus story. 
Mine is going to be different than yours. Fundamentally, we all have the same testimony. We once were lost and now we're found. We once were blind and now we see. The details may be different, but before we came to Christ, we were cosmic rebels, we were sinners, we were miserable rebels against a holy God. Once we've come to Christ, at the moment we trust Christ, we're adopted into his family, we're redeemed, we're sanctified, a whole lot of other stuff. Learn who you are in Christ. Learn your identity in Christ. That happened. There's nothing I can ever do. Zero. There's nothing you can ever do that will cause God to love you anymore. Equally important or more important, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing I can do that would ever cause God to love us any less. The Bible says he has loved us with an everlasting love. Because I'm really smart, I'm going to tell you what that means. He's loved you with an everlasting love. He loves you. He knows everything about you. He knows all your tomorrows. He knows all your stuff. And yet, he loves us. The scariest passage of Scripture in the entire Word of God, to me, is Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 21. When Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It kind of shocks his audience. They say, but Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've healed in your name. We've done all this real nifty stuff, God. And Jesus, the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe with tears in his eyes, Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew. So as I share how Jesus invaded my life, as I share my story, do you have one? Do you have one? Do you have one? I want to take us back to December 3rd, 1973. I was at a bar in San Angelo, Texas, of all places. I had come down from the left coast to pick up some drugs, and all things were going on. We left the bar around 7.30 at night because we had left our kid with a rent-to-babysitter, and my, my old lady, sorry if that's offensive, it's, anyway, my, the lady I was shacked up with, uh, you know, how did... You can't say anything anymore without offending anybody, so I don't worry about it. But it, she wanted to go back to the hotel and make sure the kid was okay. I was too fried to drive. I got in the passenger seat. She got behind the wheel. We pulled out of the nightclub. She said, Jack, we picked up a cop. I kind of glanced over my shoulder. There was a Texas State Trooper behind us. I said, okay, go the speed limit or a little bit more. They just might want to pull us over and see what a Cadillac with Oregon plates is doing here. I wasn't dirty. My gun was at the hotel. There were no drugs in the car. All of a sudden, every cop in the world, I think, turned on their lights. She pulled over. One of them got on the bullhorn and said, you, riding shotgun, open the door, slide out on your face, and do not move. I looked at all the guns. I decided he had a very good idea. I slid on my face. I did not move. They came up to me. They placed an over and under shotgun to the back of my neck. They brought me to my feet. They cuffed me. They chained me. They read me my rights. I was busted. When I got up that morning, or more likely that afternoon, I had no idea that December 3rd, 1973 would be the day that I was finally caught. I'd been in jail a few times. I'd been doing drugs and dealing drugs and selling guns. You've heard all those stories. And I knew it was going to happen sometime. But I had no idea that that day was going to be the day of my arrest. You have no idea when you're going to die. The word of God says it is appointed unto all men once to die. God knows when you're going to die. Are you ready? God knows when you're going to die. 
They threw me in Tom Green County Jail in San Angelo, Texas. I've been arrested on a bunch of warrants, most of which came from Oregon, a few from California, a couple federal charges. I stayed in jail in Texas for a few months, and then I was extradited to Oregon, sentenced to 10 years in prison. While I did the 10, California dropped the charges and the feds elected not to prosecute. I only did three and a half of the 10. That's not a miracle. That's just the way the system works. Got out of prison, went to Bible school, and here I am. All of that to set the stage. I was born into a military family. My parents were functioning alcoholics. Um, I used to think my family was screwed up. Then I went to college and found out we were dysfunctional. So much nicer to be dysfunctional than screwed up. I'm dysfunctional, you're dysfunctional. Anyway, we're all dysfunctional because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Props to the PRC peeps, by the way. I started stealing when I was young. I didn't steal because I was poorly potty trained. I didn't steal because I was white. I didn't steal because at that time I was living in Southern California. I stole for the same reason that every thief steals. I made a personal choice and a personal decision to steal the money. It's called personal responsibility. The word of God says there's a way that seems right to a man. It goes on to say, but that way is the way to death. It seemed right to me to steal from my brother. It seemed right to me to steal from some of my friends at school. It seemed right to me when I was 14 to get move out of my house, get a pistol, and start robbing, stopping robs and liquor stores and junk like that. It se- I didn't care. Didn't give a flying rip about anything. The second time I got busted, though, I decided I'd buy- I went back to school. Uh, school was never academically hard for me. I got pretty good grades. Uh, graduated from high school in 1965. I was an alcoholic by then. I was so old that I couldn't even pronounce marijuana. It was something that was downtown LA, hadn't quite come over the hill to middle-class honky land. Uh, graduated from college, I'm given a couple scholarships. I say to myself, self, I don't wanna go to no more school. But at the same time, I'm reading about this place called Vietnam and I said, I don't wanna get dead neither. So I went down and I talked to my handy daddy, local yokel, United States Army recruiter. And I said, Sarge, I love America. The flag's pretty. I eat apple pie, but I don't want to die. What can you do for me? He gave me all the tests. He called me down. Mr. Hager, you are exactly what the United States Army is looking for. Been there, done that, huh? And if you enlist in the Army Security Agency for four fun-filled years, not only will you not go to Vietnam, you won't even go overseas. Guaranteed. I fell for it. Went to Fort Ord, California to learn how to kill people. Went to Fort Benning, Georgia to learn how to, they stay dead. Went to Fort Devens, Massachusetts, learned a few other tricks. Got on a jet, went to the Republic of South Korea for two years. In South Korea, I introduced myself to marijuana. I wasn't peer pressured into it. I wasn't armied into it. I wasn't created into it. I made a choice. You make your choices, then your choices make you. I made a choice. From Korea, I went to Germany. In Germany, I dropped LSD, did some other stupid stuff. From Germany, I found out my recruiter flunked geography. I went to Vietnam. In Vietnam, I discovered what it was like to shoot people, what it was like to get shot, what it was like to skin pop heroin. 9th of July, 1969, I am honorably discharged from the United States Army. I have a whole bunch of medals with which if I had a dollar, I could get a cup of coffee anywhere in America. At that point in my life, I hated this country. Perhaps like some of your granddads and some of your other relatives that came back. uh, At that point, I hated this country. Instead of doing anything about it, I I do not hate it now. Instead of doing anything about it, I ran from it, went overseas to a place called Kwajalein, 
that probably none of you except the Navy personnel have heard about. Got bored there, came back to Hawaii that I hope you've heard about. Hung around there for a while, met the aforementioned young lady who happened to be a stewardess. She introduced me to some guys she worked for on the side. They interviewed me, they hired me. We moved to the West Coast. And for the next three years, I made a whole lot of money doing a whole lot of stupid things. I've heard people with my, with my similar background say, I was lost and miserable in my sin. Maybe they were, I loved it. Sin is fun. Oh my goodness, what did he say? I said what the Bible says. Moses forsook the passing, and that's the key word. Moses forsook the passing pleasure of sin. Sin is fun, otherwise, duh, you wouldn't be tempted. Well, Jack, I'm not tempted. You know what that means? You're either dead or you're not a Christian. The surest sign of the presence of God is the struggle against sin. I loved it. I loved getting up in the afternoon. I loved driving the Maserati. I loved it. I loved everything. It was a rush. Except at three or four o'clock in the morning when I was bored to death. Couldn't let any of my homies know that. Couldn't let anybody know. But I'm, is this all there is? Because I knew there had to be a God, just like you do. I didn't know God has placed eternity in our hearts, but I knew there had to be a something. But I didn't want to be accountable to my sergeant. I didn't want to be accountable to the cops. I didn't want to be accountable to anybody. So for 26 years, I ignored it. Didn't go to church. Not that going to church makes you a Christian. Didn't go to church except for weddings and funerals. Had no idea in the round world who Jesus Christ claimed to be. Had no idea in the round world the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant and a Presbyterian and a Charismatic and a Pentecostal. And a Knew nothing about nothing. I'm in the jail cell. I'm excited because I've never been to prison before and I've never been dead before, to the best of my knowledge. So this was a new trip. This was something different because I didn't care. But I was 26 years old. Some of you have kid brothers and kid sisters that are already there. Maybe even in this room, you're already there. Those of us who know Christ have a mission. It's to brag on Jesus. Those of us who know Christ have a mission. It's to walk the talk. Those of us who know Christ have the answer. Can I tell you this? without getting shot, sometimes following Christ sucks. Don't you be buying. Jesus didn't come to make us healthy and wealthy. He came to make us holy. And he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And he said, marvel not that the world hates you. And Paul said, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. And we're supposed to exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience. If your Christian life is easy, something's wrong. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I don't know. But if it's easy, something's wrong. I'm sitting in the jail cell. They find some drugs, which is not unusual. They took everything out except the religious stuff. And after a couple of days of having nothing to do, I went over to a pile of books and I looked at the pile of the books and there was probably a lot of Bibles, a lot of other stuff. I didn't want to read the Bible. I was a man. I did the crime. I could do the time. But I picked up another book, a paperback book that had the word prison in the title, and I read it. It kept referring to the B-I-B-L-E. So after a while, I figured out the B-I-B-L-E was, pro I'm not looking for God. I'm just bored and there's nothing else to do. 
So I figure if this guy keeps referring to the Bible, then probably I ought to look at the Bible, see what it has to say. So I begin reading it. Whole lot more to the story, but here's the important part. I end up at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, otherwise known as, and I'm starting to read about Jesus Christ. Looking back on it, the first thing that attracted me to Christ was he never had a bad thing to say to the hookers. He never had a bad thing to say to the thieves. He never had a bad thing to say to the scumbag tax collectors. The only people he railed were the religious folk. The folk who thought, I'm good because I don't do this or because I do this. The folk who thought, isn't God lucky to have me? He nailed them. And I said, this is cool. I like this stuff. But as I'm reading more, the Holy Spirit, who I didn't know existed, the Holy Spirit, without my permission, began using the living, active, powerful word of God to convict me of sin, judgment, and righteousness. I'm reading the B-I-B-L-E. I read that God so loved me that he gave his only son for the first time. I read that Jesus Christ was tempted in all things, yet remained without sin. I read that Jesus Christ was betrayed by his closest friends and by the religious establishment and by the political establishment, betrayed. <clears throat> but then I also learned that this was the predetermined plan of God. And that Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin, took my rap sheet and nailed it to a cross. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. I learned that as he hung on that cross, he had several things to say. But the most important thing he said that I can figure out is it is finished. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. And then I read that he was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And I said, what a bunch of fill in the blank. And I threw that Bible across the cell block, but I couldn't get Jesus out of my head. A few days later, I read some more, read some more. January 30th, 1974, Tom Green County Jail. In a jail, I wish I knew, I know I didn't ask Jesus into my heart because that's nowhere in the Bible. There's nothing wrong necessarily with that, but I just did what the Bible says. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever walks the aisle. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever raises a hand. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever prays the prayer. God so loved the world that he, what's it say? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, it's that simple. It's that simple and it's that complicated. Because it's not like believing in Santa Claus. It's not like believing you're recruit. It's not like believing politicians. It's knowing Christ. So I stand before you this particular November at uh, 0842 or so. And I tell you this, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I deserve to be in whatever hell is right now. And so do you. But I know something about amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I know something about being forgiven. I know something about being accepted. I know something about being loved. I know something 
Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Do you have a testimony? You don't have to remember the day, time, hour you got saved, because listen, your testimony should not be history, it should be current events. What is in your life today because of your commitment to Jesus Christ? What is not in your life today because of your commitment to Jesus Christ? Do you know and know that you know that when you check out of this thing called life, you're forever with him? If you don't, something's wrong. If you really don't, if you, if you, if you claim to be a Christian, but you're not really sure, and I don't give a rip at this point whether you believe you can lose your salvation or don't, that doesn't matter. Okay? But if you don't know right now, I just want to challenge you as we close. If you're not sure that you're a Christian, read the little letter of 1 John. The only reason it's there is for assurance of salvations. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Take God's word for it. You can know. And if you don't know, something's wrong. Do you know? And do your friends know that you know? Do you know Jesus? And do some of your friends think you're one of them wackos? Do you know Jesus and you're not afraid to stand up for him when the time comes? And I recognize there's restrictions and other stuff here, but I'm sorry. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Jesus said, I am the way, not the best way, not a good way, not one of many ways. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Believe that? Walk it. Talk it and give praise to God. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a bunch of wretches like us. Father, thank you for the gift of music. Thank you for the gift of freedom. Thank you for these young men and young ladies who are serving your country. I pray for those that are also serving the Lord that you would encourage their heart. Father, I pray for uh, people here who just aren't sure. Holy Spirit of God, would you do what you've done for me, for them? Bring them to an awareness of their condition if they're outside the family of God and bring them to awareness of their condition if they're in the family of God. But Father, help us all to give glory to you because only you are good and you're good all the time. Amen. Well, I hope you're able to listen to that. I hope it blessed your soul. I hope it, you were reminded that God does amazing things. He's a big God capable of doing amazing things. And he certainly did something amazing on a cross 2,000 years ago when he was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And for me, in a jail cell in Texas, he did an amazing thing. He used a book that was kind of wacky to lead me to the book that is not wacky. And that book, The Inspired Word of God, convicted me of sin, judgment, and righteousness and brought me to repentance and faith. At this time of the year, I hope that you know Jesus Christ. I hope you know in your heart of hearts that if something were to happen to you, you'd be absent from the body and present with the Lord. If you don't, I'd love to talk to you about that. If you are a Christian, I hope you are seizing the moments we have to brag on Jesus. I hope you are not wasting time praying for opportunities, but just seizing those opportunities to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. As we get ready to wrap up 2021, who knows what's around the corner in 2022? Well, we know who knows. He's already there, and he's going to be with us through whatever it is. So until probably next year, this is Jack Hager signing off. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate you trusting me with your time.